What's going on, everybody? This is your man, Big Stu, Scott Stewart, or Professor Stewart, depending on how you know me. And we are back for another edition of Dope People on the Dope People Podcast, where we talk to dope people doing dope things. And today is no exception. We have the one, the only, all the way from New York City, Miss Anisha Jacko, also known as Principal Jacko, Principal Jacko to the building. What's going on? Uh, everything, everything is going on. Everything is going on. Look, before we get going with you and bring you in, let me go through your bio so the people know who I have as my guest today. Because on Dope People, we truly do talk to some of the most amazing people in education today, right? Primarily education educational leaders of all sorts and you are raising the bar so anisha jacko is an authentic bold and compassionate leader with over 20 years of instructional coaching operational planning administrative and financial management experience in a large urban school district receiving her undergrad from hampton university in hampton virginia that's the, the other H-U. Uh-oh, uh, uh-oh. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. My daughter went to the other H-U. Howard, so. so did uh, my grandfather and my aunt. You know, okay, all right. So just a little. I, I, so poked, I poked a little bit. <laughs> Receiving her undergraduate degree from Hampton University in Hampton, Virginia, she then matriculated to, I hope I say this right, Toro, Toro, Toro mm-hmm. College? Yes. And received her master's degree in special ed and early childhood education. Principal Jacko also earned degrees from Long Island University, Brooklyn campus, specializing in literacy and Long Island University CW post in educational leadership. Principal Jacko is president and owner of the Results Are In LLC, whose goal is to connect the world through meaningful interactions and communication. Principal Jacko is an active community leader serving in a number of organizations for over 20 years. Jacko serves as a licensed minister at the Greater Allen AME Cathedral of New York. Additionally, she collaborates with leaders from across the globe with off-school ground. Shout out to OSG to support and impact and impact schools and communities. She is an active member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated and Jack and Jill of America. And get this, Principal Jacko is in the midst of releasing, publishing her first book in a series of books, Audacity to Speak dedicated to helping people to live the life of their dreams. Not only that, but as we might expect, Principal Jacko is married with two sons. Principal Jacko to the show. Wow. That is impressive. How does it feel to hear that? Like, who is that? I know, right? It's crazy. Okay. Well, that is who you are on paper. That's right. cool enough. 
But that doesn't really tell us who you are. We want to peel back the layers. We have a unique method of finding out who people are on Dope People. And we like to play a game of this or that. Are you familiar with this or that? Yes, bring it on. All right, here we go. All right, so we're just going to dig in. You pick one. Just so you know, this is this or that, not this, that, or both. So you got to pick one, right? <laughs> here we go. Pancakes or waffles? Waffles. Markers or crayons? Crayons. Blinds or curtains? Curtains. Day or night? Night. Text message or call? Call. Library or museums? Mm, library. Hmm. Book or movie? Mm, book. Pizza or hot dog? Pizza. Let's go. <laughs> New York to Chicago. <laughs> All right. Comedy or horror? Comedy. Morning or evening? Evening. Teachers or parents? Parents. All right. Love or money? Love. Everybody says love. <laughs> Only a couple of people have the audacity. <laughs> <laughs> say something else but okay i'll let you slide bus or train train country or city mm. city hbcu or pwi hbcu baby <laughs> you know <laughs> i have to finish that <laughs> Pre-pandemic learning or post-pandemic learning? Post all day. All right, all right. Let's let's talk about that last one. What you were you were emphatic about the post. Absolutely. What do you mean by that? What 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 turns you up about post-pandemic learning versus well, pre-pandemic learning? When I think about the difference between pre and post, it's simply uncovering all of the things that we thought we knew we were exposed mm. post and so it equalized us mm. the trauma we were equalized mm. Mm. and so it didn't matter how much money you had your zip code you had to stay inside mm. Mm. and figure out a new way mm. Sort of similar to, I remember working in a school during 9-11 in the city. The city changed. It was like a quiet moratorium, right? You just had that pause of reflection. And that's what I believe post-pandemic has done. It's mm -hmm. helped us to uh, peel that layer back of inequity yeah. and really showing what we are not doing for those who are at the least and who are at 
the other end. Mm -hmm. We all need to do some work. We all became new teachers. Mm -hmm. We had to figure some things out. Mm -hmm. And so I celebrate that. Wow. Yeah. And I became a new principal in the post. Wow. <laughs> I became a new principal in the pandemic. I started a new position of leadership. And so, yes, Congratulations. I became a licensed minister in the post. Really? Yes. It sent, it sent, so it sent not only you, but it's, you think it, it just sent people back to reimagine themselves. What are you doing? What are you doing here? Mm -hmm. We all had to ask that question. What mm -hmm. if? Mm -hmm. Who's going to raise my children mm -hmm. if I'm not here? Yeah. What values have I set and who am I? What am I doing? Mm. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Right? Good stuff. Yeah. No, I think you're right. hundred percent. I, I appreciate uh, that time. Oh yeah. You sit down, like leading up into the pandemic reminded that was NBA all-star was, was in Chicago that year. <laughs> and there was so much going on. And I remember yeah. saying, before Chicago got shut down, mm -hmm. man, we need to slow down. We're yeah. like, this is ridiculous. There's no way I can maintain at this rate. Right. When we were moving. It was like, I, and I didn't see a slowdown happening. Like, when do we slow down? Like, and then a few weeks later, literally shut down. Shut down. And I, I was like, man, we needed that because we were about to burn out. I felt like we were about to just explode. So for sure. I get that. I get that. Hey, listen, um, we're going to dig into this. Kind of, this is going to be an amazing. This is an amazing conversation already. You and I just met virtually. Yes. I'm in Chicago. You're in New York. New York. We met through uh, OSG, all school grounds. Yes. And I feel like I know you a little bit, but I'm also at that stage in life. I don't need no new friends. Word. But OSG <laughs> has become my new family. This is true. <laughs> but who were you, Jacko? Sixth grade through 12th grade. What kind of student were you? What kind of young person were you? Tell us Tell us who you were. Sixth to 12th grade. You know, sixth to 12th grade. Oh, my goodness. You know, I feel I felt like I was invisible. You know, and when I think about audacity to speak, it's really... Um, thinking about racial battle fatigue, how you can be in a setting and never see yourself. And I didn't realize that until I went to Hampton. So to never have a teacher who looked like you, for me, I thrived because of my music background. And so I was afforded the opportunity to go to a middle school that was for um, music talent. I had to um, audition. Well, what were you, singer, dancer? Rapper, I was a piano. I played the piano. Mm -hmm. I played the piano. And because obviously you can't go to the band and play the piano, I learned to play the tenor sax. And so I went to school in Coney Island. Um, I played the tenor saxophone and that afforded me the opportunity in high school to play in an all-city marching band. I got accepted to that. Wow. So when I think of 6 to 12, 
So no, I didn't see myself in school and I was always in top classes, but it was my love for music that really, um, it got me excited about school. So in that particular school, it was a gifted and talented. So you had to spend more time in your talent. So instead of one class a week, you had double periods of music. I mean, who wouldn't want to do what they love? Right? Absolutely. So, and then of course in high school, I was a cheerleader. I played tennis. So I did get to do some fun things, mm-hmm. you know, get a bacon, egg and cheese. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I never cut class, but I would say my extracurricular activities was something I can really lean into as like a joy between six and 12. Did you, you said you didn't see yourself in school. When did you realize that education was for you? Like, what did you, so you studied music when you went away to college? Is that what you did? No, it's so interesting. I did get a scholarship to play in the band, but I didn't want to do that anymore. Oh, wow. And now I'm like, oh man, I should have stayed playing the sax. Mm. Um, yeah, I majored in psychology. <laughs> that's what you say, but then we wouldn't. Maybe if you're playing a sax, maybe we wouldn't have this book that's about to come out. I know. That's, maybe you that's... wouldn't be a principal. Maybe you. Are, well, it's it's clear to me that you're doing exactly what God has planned for you. Oh, um, so you're. What kind of grades did you get, middle school to high school? You were getting A's and B's, or what? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was the top 10%. uh, I graduated top 10% of my class. Um, But I enjoyed school, but I also was raised by my aunt, who was a guidance counselor. So I knew not to cut because I knew she knew how to read my report card. (laughs) You knew where those absences were. Yeah. Yeah. Wait a minute. You didn't go to school. Why you got 13 absences in this class? Like, hold up. What is... you know, it's so funny, Sue. I remember my senior year, I had calculus. I was taking AP classes. And my aunt asked me, you don't have no homework? Mm. I'm like, yeah, I did it. Don't you know? I found out once I graduated college, she called my teacher. Because oh, wow. I never understood why out of all these people in class, he would come check my homework. Wow. like that's disrespectful but she did tell me (laughs) but she told me as a guidance counselor and I get it now that sometimes people leave you alone your senior year and that's when you mess up and you can fail and so I'm grateful for that on me because I was able to finish college in three years because I had all my credits from high school your AP yes AP classes things like that Mm -hmm. so you said something I don't want to make light of it um you said you felt you didn't feel seen no how did that show up in the classroom like what can you dig in a little because i had some i think it was power principal power was on dope people and she went to hampton yeah she said the same thing Mm -hmm. she like she went a whole school year and teacher never called on her yeah. She felt invisible. Mm-hmm. Can you describe that uh, a little bit more? What were your feelings? Did you have anxiety going into class? Was it all of your classes? Was it 
just in class? Was it socially? Can you talk about that a little bit more? I think it's interesting because I think the trauma happened in elementary school. So I think by time six to 12, I was already conditioned to be quiet and not to use my voice because I was a visual learner. So I remember getting in trouble in fourth grade um, before the spelling test, I would write down all of the words behind the paper. And then when the teacher said the word, I would turn it over, cross it out and write it because that's how I remember it. And so, you know, getting in trouble because sometimes I can go on a tangent. You know, we were learning about metaphors and I brought in the salt Mortons and it said, when it rains, it pours. Mm. And she was like, that's not what we're talking about. I'm just like, oh, okay. But it was kind of, right? Absolutely. And, and, and that's what I think my passion in early childhood comes from because you can learn from your environment. Like you should be able to, if there are children who need to like space out, like to go someplace, give them some place to go. Yeah. But to answer your question, it felt like um, you didn't have a voice yeah. and it felt like you were getting graded on a product, but not on who you are, mm. you know, and not talking to me. Yeah, that, that's, that says that's a mouthful. Um, I experienced that. So I, I was a classroom teacher in Chicago Public Schools for about 15 years before retiring from Chicago Public Schools to do my own thing, which is still in education, but decided to be a vendor, create my own curriculum and sell it globally, right? But I did find myself uh, being one of those teachers that only called on certain kids, the kids who were most active, most vocal. And hindsight is 2020. I realized that I probably, I know, I dismissed a lot of students that yes. sat in the back that didn't cause trouble, that didn't say much, and I let them be. I know I've let them be, and I wonder now, um, I wonder how that made those young people feel that I didn't take the extra step, the extra initiative to reach out to them. And, and yeah. did that, how did that impact you deciding to get into education? You know, it's fascinating. I believe it wasn't so much education, but more of psychology. You know, I think it made me become a student of what school is all about. And so I majored in psychology and then I went back to school for school psych. And then similar to what you asked me in the beginning of your questions was about, well, post pandemic. So when 9-11 happened, I was like, I don't want to be a school psychologist. I want to just teach kindergarten like my favorite teacher. And that prompted me to want to study how do children begin to read? How do they begin? And so that's why I had early childhood and special ed and literacy. I would go to school at night for literacy and on the weekend for early childhood special ed. Cause I, I needed to know, mm -hmm. I guess like what happened and how do I ensure that doesn't happen to other children? And I, and I do believe that's why I'm a, like, I go so hard 
because I know how important it is. And being a kindergarten teacher was my absolute favorite job. To have a child come to you at five and leave you reading and writing and speaking critically, I think that is something we should have for all children. Do you, um, I gave, and during this or that, I, I posed teachers or parents. Mm. You remember your response? Parents. Parents. Yes. There's an ongoing debate in the country right now about education and where the responsibility lies when it comes to young people coming in. You know, you know there's this conversation around pre-K, early childhood, pre, pre, you know, preschool, literacy at a young age. My stance is the onus is on parents. Mm. I get, you know, conflict from people saying, no, parents aren't equipped to do that. It's on teachers. It's on the school systems. And you just talked about the feeling that you get to get a five-year-old in the beginning who doesn't have strong reading, reading comprehension skills, but they leave you strong. Yes. Where are you in this debate? Where, how much of a role, or how much do you expect from parents versus is it up to the schools and teachers to be responsible for this? What's your take on this? So pre being a mom, I would say it's all on teachers. Being a mom, I would say it has to be a partnership. And I believe as the principal, my first constituent that I, that I went to talk to were parents because I needed them to know who I was and what my ask of them was going to be. Um, and I believe by training our parents and teaching them what to look for, how to do this, what kind of environment to have at home, then that becomes ready for parents then to support school. And when you have parents that galvanize and support a school, that school is going to be phenomenal. Wow, that's a whole conversation in itself about strategies to engage communities of families and parents that yeah. normally are disengaged. I'm super. Well, because there's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of trauma in schools. A big piece of my conversation with parents was about reimagining what school was like for them. Like some of the parents didn't have good experiences in my school. Yeah. So I had to have them in my office and say, I'm sorry that happened to you, mm -hmm. but this is what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. And I believe when we have informed parents who are ready to help a school, mm -hmm. helping the teachers have comes easy because now they're on board they're going to support with some resources. And I don't know any teacher who doesn't want some extra crayons. You know, but I think parents as partners is key because it, it goes without question. Teachers are the, the key to move in a school, but you have to have your parents on board. In a recent OSG meetup, a statistic was given that approximately 87%, 84%, 80-ish percent of 
fourth graders, black male fourth graders. Yeah, 87%. 87% yeah. are not proficient at reading. When you hear that, what runs through your mind? I look at my two boys at home who are nine and 11. My son is in fourth grade right now. And that's life or death. And that's the state of emergency. So I have three essential questions for every conversation. And they normally go, what do you love about education? What's kind of got you scratching your head, keeping you up at night? And what's the future of education from your perspective? In this episode, first time ever, I'm gonna flip that. I wanna start with, <laughs> What's the future of education from your perspective? What is the, what is a, what does the school look like? If, what does it, what does it need to be, in order to check all the boxes and to be quote unquote doing it right? Well, I would say number one, universal screening for all children. Okay. Don't what wait. Is that? What till is you... that? Yeah, yeah. So my background in school psychology, all students should be assessed on their gifts. Because okay. we need to cultivate genius. You got to know who a child is. If they learn best auditory, so they need to go into that. They love music. Let's build that. Right. I say, why do we have to wait to high school to learn a career? Why can't we learn? As, an, as a child through play, right? We play dress up in pre-K and then you get to dress up in high school to go on an interview. It doesn't make sense, mm -hmm. right? And so if we reimagine school, I would say, let's take it to the Harlem Renaissance where we had this intersection of politics and music and art, right? And so we had Leroy Campbell come into our school to teach the students about art. And their artwork was hanging up in Times Square last year, right? So bringing in the outside into school and really learning as a village and not coming into schools that could be confused as a hospital or a jail. Why is it the same smell and paint? So why don't we start with that environment? What, wouldn't it have been great to take a group of students to, to NASA to watch the launch? Yeah. And understand what a sonic boom really sounds like. It's not just a cartoon character, mm -hmm. right? And, and so in thinking about that, I, that's what I believe school of the future is. Like, aren't we ready for the Jetsons? Where's the backpack? We watched that 20 years ago. That's right. How are we creating the infrastructure of, of doing that, bringing college to, to our early childhood classes? That's what I see. Before I go to the other questions, um, central questions, I want to interject. And I get to this. This is the beauty of owning <laughs> your own stuff. You can do what you want to do when you want Remix. to Remix. Uh, I heard one. I think it was... Uh, Dane, it may have been Dane. Yeah. Saying, you know, can who can somebody fire you from your job? 
And uh, no, nobody can fire me. Nobody <laughs> can fire me. So I get to switch it up. Um, school principals. Yes. School superintendents. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say this. A lot of, this is my personal opinion on dope people. There are a lot of school principals, school superintendents who are sitting in those positions mm. because they're tired of kids and they want to mm. collect their paychecks. Mm. They want their pension. They want their pension to be straight. And I don't and 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 they don't push, they don't move, they don't push the needle. They don't mm. they don't push the envelope. They don't move the needle. What? can we say, what can you say to those school leaders who are prohibiting the advancement of our young people? What would you say to them to make them reevaluate why they're sitting in that seat? Hmm. That seems so foreign to me because I don't know those people. <laughs> So, but I would say, say, so imagine, you meet, imagine you're meeting a yeah. principal like that from mm -hmm. a big city in the Midwest. Okay. <laughs> I'm sensing some trauma. Because <laughs> here's the thing, it goes both ways. The system was set up to do what the system is doing. So to, to just look at one area, that's faulty. And I'm gonna push you because let's open that whole building up and who's doing what? Let's check attendance. Who's showing up? Who's, who's showing up? And it's not just the students. We, we put so much on that. So I would say to you, how are the children? And that's how my superintendent started this year, this school year. How are the children? Because if you know how the children are, you'll know how the adults are. And so that's when we think about the mental health, right? If the students aren't doing well, are the adults? And so if I'm just learning my phonics and how to spell correctly, have we tapped into some of the adults who have some emotional issues? Mm -hmm. And maybe no one helped their trauma, so they don't know that's possible. Mm -hmm. So I would say to you, as a community, let's not single anybody out. Mm. How are the children? And then let's start there. Okay. That's useful information. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. So what um, keeps you up at night about education? What's like got you biting your fingernails or got you worried at night? I think what keeps me up, and I'm not a worrier, so I, I won't receive that. But one of the things that I'm focused on is making sure I have the appropriate funding to do the things that I know my kids need. I don't get enough money to choose between a debate program, going on sufficient trips with a nice limo, you know, making kids feel that experience. So that keeps me up. I want to give my children in my school the same experience as I give my own children. That's dope. That's yeah, dope. so that's what keeps me up. Yeah. And making sure that I'm meeting the needs of, of my staff. Like managing over 85 people, that's no easy feat. No, 
people's personalities while yeah. attempting to keep your own sanity. Correct. And so when we think about how with the children, it's you got to have that self-check as well. Like, am I okay? Mm. <laughs> Self-care. I hear uh, Self-care. Principal Glow talks about that all the time. Oh, and, yeah. And D-Nice mm-hmm. is always talking about self-care. I mean, you know, I cannot tell you, being the last name Jacko, I went to see the Michael Jackson play, and it was brilliant, because so who's checking on the leaders, right? Who, that's what keeps, like, who's checking on each other? There's a lot of accountability, but who's truly checking in? on the system that was created to be the system that is doing exactly what the system was created to be. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. That's an important piece. Having said that, what is getting you fired up and excited about coming into the building every day? You're, you're in the building right now on a day off. In the building. Something got you excited to get up and be like, yo, I got to go do this work. What is that driving you? You know what? I have teachers who started last year and I made it my business to make sure that I gave them a good start. Because if you're going to start in a pandemic, I'm going to make sure that's the best decision of your life. And so one of our teachers started, their kids started at a 30% reading level and ended at a, I'm going to give a 90%. It was 88 point something. But 90% of her students left reading in fifth grade in a pandemic. And some of our students in fourth grade outperformed the city. And one of our 12 students who has an IEP scored a level four. So don't tell me what's possible. That's right. That's right. So so what what I'm excited about is the growth. Okay. And meeting people where they are. Okay. And pushing. Okay. Pushing. Yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. You're getting them kind of results. It's like yeah. Can do that yeah, again. Yeah. yeah mm. Let's do that again. Come on. And man. another one. And another one. And another one. <laughs> and I would imagine the kids get excited about those results as well. Well, that's what the work is this year, is the student agency, helping them to see that they have to take ownership of their learning. You don't have to wait and get, go and get, go get what you need. That's right. Good stuff. Hey, yeah. we're, we're coming yeah. up on the end of our, our episode, but you got a lot of stuff happening I don't. in your world. <laughs> you got a book coming out. Yes. The audacity to audacity. speak. Yes. Where did this book come from? Why this book is the question. Why this yeah. book? Talk <laughs> about it. Well, it's interesting because uh, in the middle of the pandemic, we uh, I met over a hundred principals, and I was inspired. Um, and I met Dennis. I met Dame. And they asked me, what do you dream about? And I was stuck. It's like, dream? But I don't need a dream. I, like, who's dreaming? <laughs> but in thinking about that question, uh, there was a prayer by uh, Dr. Cologne. 
I'm calling him Dr. Clone. Uh, he'll be done soon. A, I met him on yes. the meetup a couple of times. But, yeah. but you know, he he prayed a prayer, Pastor Clone, and he said, "Have the audacity of Anisha." And I was like, "What in the world?" I was crying because at the time I was going through stuff, and I was like, "That was prophetic." I'm using that. And so I, I stayed by the beach one day and I wrote like 60 pages. In one day. And it just, it was just I stayed couldn't just stop, Couldn't stop writing if you wanted to. Couldn't stop. And so two years later, um, I was able to work with a team and, and get this out. Because we had to, I had to unmute. <laughs> But where did it that come from? This, what did this? So, I think there's a there's a there's something missing. Like this idea that you were muted. Uh, muted. You talked about feeling unseen. Mm -hmm. But where did this idea of being muted come? Were you muted? Like, what what is that? Talk about put. And maybe I guess you need to get the book. But were you often just quiet? Or did you? Did you feel like people, did people take advantage of you? Were they running over you? Like, what is this idea of being muted that now you have the audacity to speak? It's, it's really about confidence. Like if you're not called on in class ever, mm. you don't know if what you're saying is what mm. you're saying, right? And then, you know, being raised in a church, you know, you always had to have the part in the Christmas play. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So I felt really comfortable speaking in front of a crowd at church. But in school, why was I not included? And there's so many adults who don't feel included, mm. you know, and and being on Clubhouse changed my life because <laughs> I was in quarantine, isolated from my kids during Christmas. And I was just like, what am I going to do? I'm not going to see my kids at Christmas and meeting this whole community on Clubhouse from just speaking changed my entire world and so there's so many movements there's so many people that i've met just from speaking and you are one yeah yeah you yeah you as well right and just simply just talking and people saying oh you're pretty you know what you're talking about <laughs> and so like not hearing that ever it's it's like validating and just like goodness what if we empowered our children to learn what i had to wait for mm -hmm. right that that i know i can or even in the whiz right that courage mm. yeah i am excited to get my hands on a copy more than that, though, I'm gonna be very honest with you. I'm I'm hopeful that um, when I get the book, that there are some actionable items that I can oh, yes. implement <laughs> and test. Not only in the groups of young people that I interact with, but in my own children. Um, oh, for sure, that's I my specialty. A, I have a uh, eighth grader. My son is in eighth grade. And for those who don't know, I'm not a short guy. I'm a relatively tall gentleman. Uh, I stand <laughs> yes. six six. And my son, who is in eighth grade, is standing about six two, six three. 
Oh my God. (laughs) But with that, you know, he's a he's a very quiet young man because he hasn't quite developed the confidence to be in his body yet. So that he's huge feet, huge hands. Yeah. Yeah. He's a silent giant. Silent giant. Kids are mean. Yes. Terrible things. Yes. And so he has to find his voice. He is finding his voice. He's got to have my book. I'm going to send him a copy. Come through, Jacko. Come through, Jacko. That's he's going to be my student. That's my specialty. Yeah. And he's a he's I love him. I love him to life. I love him to life. But I'm I want him to use his voice because obviously his dad has no problem today and speaking up in, in any environment. So I hope that he gains that confidence. What do you wanna to say to listeners um, that we haven't said yet today that you think is important? Because this will be viewed for generations to come yes. all over the world. Mm. What's something that you wanna to say to folks in this moment, in this interview that we haven't talked about yet? Well, one, I would say go to audacitytospeak.com because I not only give myself a platform, but I create space for all of those who have supported me um, in this journey. And I think it's equally as important to give them um, extend gratitude. But I think one of the things I need to let you know is that starting your day with gratitude every miracle morning, having an affirmation and understanding that everything is right about you. You are created just the way you are supposed to and no one is supposed to be like you. And so I would say, Booker T would say, to do a common thing in an uncommon way is excellence. Mm. And so, you know, it's only right that I would, would share that piece because I never fit in. And now I'm realizing I wasn't supposed to. No, you were, you were born to stand. I wasn't supposed to. (laughs) And so, you know, keep, keep being different. Keep, keep being you. Imagine that. Yeah. When the leader realizes that they're the leader. Because they don't conform and they don't yes. fit in. Mm. True leadership. Woo! Right there. That's that's freedom. That's freedom. That's freedom. And you know it, you realize it, and then mm. you embrace it and accept it for yeah. yourself. And don't get a community who's going to not protect you, but stand with you. That's, that's you. those are some dope people. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Principal Anisha Jacko, thank you for being on Dope People today. Thank you. You are officially dope. <laughs> by us at dope people. You didn't thank need you. it. Matter of fact, and this is this is. Listen, where where my where's my pen? Yeah, yeah, you gotta get gotta get gotta get your dope people pen. But here's the thing. Here's here's what, I, here's what I, you're helping me. Um, you 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 brought this out right now. What I'm about That's to say. Right. Reciprocity. Let's you go. You brought this out. So listen. As Scooch you don't get dope stamped for being on here. Mm. 
you're already dope. Mm. You just be dope first. Just be dope mm. and we'll find you. Ooh. Just be excellent and mm. the people will find your excellence. Mm. Just be wealthy, be healthy, be that first and the action behind it will show, will come, will follow. You don't wait to be excellent. You just be excellent in all that you can and do today. You don't wait to get rich and wealthy. You be rich and wealthy today and it will show. Jacko, continue mm. to use your voice. You clearly are a leader, head and shoulders above the pack. It's shoulders, obvious. knees and toes. It's <laughs> obvious. Amen. And I'm glad you realize it. I'm learning to. I'm glad you do. I'm glad you do. I'm As, on a journey. Uh, you, you are definitely leading the way. We thank you for coming on Dope People today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. To all of our listeners, you already know what it is. You know where to find us. Until next time, y'all. Peace.